Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello everyone. This is the new episode of the Dewsbacks podcast. We are going to be discussing the preview to the French Open and looking ahead to the main contenders for this Open. Uh, this podcast has two guests lined up. One of them is a regular on the Anfield Index Network, Bijan Keswani, who also does the Anfield Index India Football podcast. Hey Bijan, welcome to the podcast or rather the relaunch of the podcast. Nice to you. Thanks for having me. Great to be back. Cool. And joining Bijan, we have a new guest on the Anfield Index Network. His name is Shankar. He's a certified Rafael Nadal fan. So it's, it's going to be an interesting one, French Open, Rafael Nadal. So I think this is the right podcast to bring him in. Hey, Shankar, thanks for joining in. Hi. I, I, yes. Nice to be here. Thank you. So we are going to get right into the podcast because we have lots of things to talk, certain new developments which have happened in the last week, including the draw and not mentioning the Agassi issue. Uh, so the first thing we are going to talk, obviously, is the Sharapova one, not getting a wild card. So Shankar, coming to you, uh, since you haven't had the take on the ban, would you agree that the ban was farcical as a lot of people who, who did when we last did this podcast? I think the ban was half-heartedly imposed. They wanted to come down strict on her, but they were also considering the fact that she's a major draw. And because of that, they kind of ended up doing neither, a little bit of both. So the ban was not well implemented, I would say. I think she was fully deserving of the penalty. I mean, the fact that she didn't know it or the fact that the rules changed on Jan 1st, those are very, very flimsy excuses. That's why these people have entourages. And just the fact that no other top tennis player has been careless enough to let this happen shows how attentive they are. So yeah, the, the ban wasn't satisfying, but the fact that she didn't get a wild card was. And do you think it's what the French Open organizers have done they have gone beyond the call of duty because you say it's very easy to give her a, a wild card. There are a few tournaments which have given her, though she's not performed well, but that is the only reason you would give a wild card. But we also know that the French Open crowds aren't exactly tolerative. Uh, they do boo a lot of players if, in, in terms if they show like bad sportsmanship on even on the court. So do you think it, it's taken a bit of guts from the French Open organizers? Yeah, I think so. I, I do think so because... Also, they're the first major tournament that's coming up after her. She's 
finished serving out her ban. So I think Wimbledon and the US Open or whatever else would have taken a lead from their pages. And to say clearly that your ban is not like somebody who's come back from injury or someone like Kvitova whose injury was pro- ranking was protected. I think it's a good sign. I think the rest of the tour will also feel happy that, you know, you can't just serve out a ban and then get some sort of preferential treatment. That's completely at odds with the punishment you're serving also. Indeed, indeed. So, Bijan, bringing you in here, your opening comments about the comeback of Sharapova. Have you seen her play? How do you think she's playing? And your take on French Open not giving her a wild card? No, I'm glad. So, I I remember you and I had a chat a while ago about how the you know the, the two year was was a little odd any which way, and then it was obviously just you know, uh, reduced even further. But I'm glad that a lot of the uh, at least the French Open, for example, um, has has taken the stand to say that we're not going to get or the wild card and therefore go through the regulars and need to do it right so I'm glad with that because it kind of stop any and all forms of, of cheating in any way you know, any way or form whether it's a mistake whether we, whether she wants to plead negligence whatever the situation might be so I'm glad that the French Open has taken that stand uh, the others obviously haven't in terms of their wild cards they've given her now I think she's even got one at the Rogers Cup so that, that that's obviously an issue because she's a huge draw considering Williams is also going to be out for a while um, Azarenka is still a yes, no, she's on plan for Wimbledon, which is a development this week. Kvitova is back, but there's technically she's still the most commercially viable draw. So a lot of them will still give her the, the wild cards. I'm not too supportive of that. If you're good enough to join the qualifiers, it's an extra week of tennis. You should be good enough to get into the main draw any which way. Take the hit for the year and then do well. I do side with that opinion as well. And uh, since she has so much uh, delta points, so even a... Like a half good tournament should give a lot of points because it really her base effect is zero. So there are lots of points to be taken in. But we are going to swiftly move over from Sharapova to the other big news which has emerged pre-French Open. And we are not talking Djokovic news yet. We are going to talk about the federal pullout. So what better than to start with Shankar who is a Nadal fan. Uh, Shankar, was Federer the real big obstacle for Nadal winning the French Open again? I don't think so. But at the same time, after he won Australia, I remember telling someone that I think he could win a lot of tournaments this year. And given the relative lack of consistency among anyone else on clay, he might have thought about it. But I think the last six months when he took off before winning Australia and then playing through the summer uh, in, in, in the US, winning those two Masters tournaments, he has really decided that he wants to play for a long time rather than just play as many tournaments as he can. So while I don't think he was a big obstacle for Nadal at the French, Nadal's number one obstacle is Djokovic. I think his not playing the French probably is a smart decision. Do you think it's perfectly okay that he targets winnable tournaments? I think he's earned the right. The guy's been playing for 20 years. He's not some up-and-coming player. I mean, we allowed it when Monica Sellers did it. They're individuals. They pay a price. If they don't play a tournament, they get pay, they get they lose in the rankings. So if Federer is okay with that, he's fine. And for a while, he said that he was going to play only the French, which was just ridiculous because to go in on the biggest clay court event and clay is distinctly different from any other surface on the tour in that you have to have matches under your belt, otherwise you're just going to show up to make up the numbers. So I think there he was being a bit delusional, saying that he could play. I mean, I don't think he was really going to do that. So he's fine. Wimbledon, he's a genuine favorite. I, he will still be, to me, the favorite at Wimbledon now. Especially considering the rest. Correct. Okay, Bijan, your take on the Federer pullout. What do you think? Uh, 
your opinion obviously he's earned the right as shankar said but were you a bit disappointed that he's not played or it's perfectly understandable no i'm so i think there are two different things am i disappointed he's not playing obviously because i just want to see fantastic tennis and the guy is still capable of pulling up top draw stuff so am i disappointed he's not there you know yes but is it a good call for him obviously because he wants to continue he sort of realized that sticking to the baseline faster courts are the way to go um the clay season is excruciatingly painful for the body because the transition in your legs needs to be a lot more different you need to put on you know muscle mass you need to put on weight for your legs to be able to you know take the impact of clay season and it's not one tournament so it's not like you know you get to there's very little variation between the hard courts versus the clays you know the clays are different the nature is different um so the impact on the body is a lot more different in the shorter period of time that is the clay season so it's perfectly fair uh, he wants to protect his body um and when you when you don't back yourself to win a grand slam because just i'm not saying that he's not capable of of course he is but you wouldn't back yourself against someone like nadal to beat him on a in a french open final but if you want to protect your body you are roger federer you you can technically technically do anything in the sport that you want so fair enough save yourself clay season is not going to give you i mean it's not going to hurt you too much you've achieved your goals on clay let's move on and target wimbled yeah i that's that sounds perfect to me as well but this this though shankar wouldn't agree otherwise this opens up totally for nadal he's been in form slight hiccup in the last tournament before french but shankar what's changed for nadal this year he seems fit his hunger seems to be back and he's he's he looks as good as ever though you might think there are a few more levels to go up then yeah he's fitter i think he's injury free uh, that's uh, coming back from an injury we know it's difficult especially for him although he has a lot of experience and i think what players have is when after they come back from injury for a little while they will be a little bit tentative and being tentative doesn't work for a a defensive player like nadal because if you're at least an aggressive player you're you're owning the court you're going to the four court and you're driving the points nadal generally does like to step behind the baseline and, and dictate a rally and if you look at a lot of his losses in the last two years he was was pushed off court by power hitters pui and Kyrgios and Fonini, all these guys play incredible shots and they're good to watch unless you're on the other side of the court. And now he's stronger again. He's had a good run in Australia. He had a good run at Miami. He reached another final where he lost to Sam Querrey. So he's been making uh, the rounds. He's been putting in the miles in his legs. Nadal, more than most players on the tour, he, he needs matches more than anything else. The more he plays, the better he gets. And he was always going to play these four clay court tournaments. I wish he'd played one less but that's up to him. So I think the more he's played then the, the stronger he's felt he's been able to play his game and he's been uh, I guess the dominant player of the clay court season so far. Indeed. Uh, Bijan what do you make of his uh, resurgence this year Nadal's resurgence? Yeah so I agree with uh, with Shankar in terms of him being largely injury free. Uh one must remember that you know uh, over the years he's always had a knee and a hip problem. So if you guys have read his book uh because of his foot soles he tends to have that issue uh and this is the first time in such a long career that he's taken a break wherein that has not been the injury so the legs have got rest the knees have got rest um and he solved the problem in his wrist which he had you know for about 3 4 months uh from the year end tournament on Wodja last year so he has been able to recover um and the problem with because his game style is so dependent on his grip and the heaviness in the wrist so he needs a proper wrist to be able to even compete at a half decent level 
So that was uh, that's a good sign. Um, and also, a lot of this resurgence has got to do with the fact that in the in the Australian Open, he's come back towards the baseline. He's come a lot closer. Uh, the game against Zverev, he was a lot closer to the baseline. Um, a long, hard game. Then he had the he had the big game against Raonic, which was something that he's typically you know uh, not done too well against with regards to big servers, big game players. So he took closer to the baseline. He cut down angles. He cut down pace, um, and then allow you know, and then be, and then basically just defended really well and then converted that into attacks properly. So a lot of his resurgence is to do with the fact that he's injury free and he's gone into a little more of an attacking mentality because that's the only way he can actually get out of any of the situations. Indeed, it's, uh, it's you could say it's ironic, but it's also good that we are actually talking about Nadal and attacking play. So Shankar, do you agree Nadal has, has he got a bit more ad- uh, attacking or even a bit more efficient, would you put it like that? Yeah, I think uh, he pointed himself pointed to the fact that the balls have become lighter over the last few years and he needed to adjust his game according to that. He couldn't expect the opponents to stay in rallies as longer because uh, opponents were realizing that they can take the ball early and dictate the points. So he's definitely got better court position. At least he did in Australia. He has on some of the clay court matches I've seen. Once in a while he'll fall back to where he is most comfortable, which is way, way back in the, almost in the Royal Box. But otherwise he has definitely taken a better aggressive position. He also mentioned another technical thing. Nadal said that he has added some weight to the tip of his racket, which gives him a little more power in his shots and a bit more power in his serve. And I think his serving is a little better than it has been in the last couple of years. But I don't know if that is just a result of the confidence and the other parts of the game or whether he has significantly worked on that part of his game. Something we are going to be watching out in the next two weeks. But uh, the resurgence of the veterans also has coincided with the dip in form for Murray and Djokovic. Uh, let's take Djokovic first. Uh, so, Bijan, the big news this week. Temporary at least, but again, another superstar comes back as a uh, as a coach or at least a part-time coach come mentor for a leading player. Now it's the turn of Andre Agassi. So Djokovic mentioned about how this happened by chance. He actually just wanted to make a phone call with Agassi, at least thank him for the constant support over the years. And then it suddenly they went over all the technical things and then this is this has been the end result. So what do you make of the news? Super excited, uh, though it's part-time or it's just a wait and watch for you? Ah, uh, It is a wait and watch, you know, because it, it's not. It's not like Agassi always had the best temperament, right? So if if Djokovic is suffering from anything other than motivation and temperament, I'm not sure um, how Agassi helps there because he's always been an aggressive, loudmouth kind of uh, character of court. So it'll be really interesting, unless obviously the Steffi Graf effect has come in and he's become a lot calmer. And this is just you know a smokescreen for Steffi being being the coach. But no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding there. Uh, it'll just be interesting. Uh, it'll be good to see. Uh, both baseliners, both very good with the return. Agassi in his day was probably the best returner serve ever. But um, it is still a wait and see. I think with Djokovic, it's it's just about the confidence. He's won everything that there is. Um, is there more motivation to be able to to be able to go out there and keep getting stuff? You know, we we, we saw him. Um, we just assumed that once Nadal lost to TM at Rome. Uh, he would kind of click into gear and 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 win that tournament at least, but unfortunately he didn't. He got beaten by a younger Zverev. You know, obviously Zverev is is incredibly talented, but you just assume that he would win uh, Rome once Nadal dropped out. But it's I think it's just the motivation thing. He's won everything that there is. Maybe he was at peak performance for too long that the body's kind of giving in, but you don't necessarily see signs of that. He just seems a little sluggish. 
So I'm I'm hoping that this is just you know one of those things that at least bumps up his motivation level, um, and then maybe we can see what his fitness and what his um, regular temperament on court you know is because in the past few tournaments he's been very he hasn't started off the blocks too quickly which he was always known to do uh, when he was at peak performance he would against players on in you know rank lower he would just go at them close out games really quickly uh, but he's been easing into a lot of games and then pinching the sets between you know games 8 and uh, between 8 and 10 that's why he sort of made his move where earlier he wouldn't do that he tried to go for it initially because he obviously felt confident was physically fit technically superior uh, but now it's just it's the first um, sort of setback for Djokovic uh, since he got so good so it'll always be interesting to see how he gets back to what we want his level to be so Djokovic also talked about the fact that i guess he has gone through what he's going through which is basically a mid career slump so shankar what do you make of the news and more importantly why do you think djokovic has struggled is it just due lack of motivation as bjorn seems to suggest is the major reason i think the reason he struggled was because he had won wimbledon in 2011 the australian open in 2008 and the us open in 2011 so from 2012 he has been trying to win the french open assiduously to complete that career grand slam and he he got close a couple of times once he was up a break against nadal he 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 hit he touched the net and lost the point and went on to lose the match that was a great match uh one year he, he beat nadal and then lost to avrinka so he really kept on putting more and more pressure on himself to win the french and when he won the french that day last year when he beat murray he was the first person since rod laver to hold all four titles he had won 28 straight grand slam singles titles and so he kind of reached the acme of his goals unfortunately for him there was another grand slam coming up in two or three weeks and i really think one of the bigger things was he didn't have time to let it soak in what he had achieved even lever had not achieved because lever won it when it was being played on two surfaces i think and djokovic won four slams on three surfaces so credit where credit is due and i don't think he had time to just you know sit back and enjoy it if he had won anything else australia wimbledon or the us to win the career grand slam he would have had a little bit more time and i really think that's where he stumbled he suddenly he was back on court he had to get motivated and he was struggling he had won wimbledon three times he'd won the open twice he'd won the australian open six times so everything else was like been there done that many times and he fell back he fell off a little bit i mean it, people talk about the slump it's a slump by his standards i would say the really bad result was australia and wimbledon he reached the us open finals he reached the tour finals he won toronto he beat murray at the start of this year and he was having a medium a middling clay court season until the last tournament until rome but yeah so he's i think he's all the signs are there now so that was it was just kind of he hit a wall he achieved everything and he had no time to you know really celebrate in any level and the agassi news obviously this broke up this week yeah i don't know what to make of it but again i'll 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 be the first one to say that i didn't think becker was a good choice because i was wondering why a guy with slams could help a guy with eight slams or whatever he had at that time i i wasn't very sure but well and good that worked brilliantly and i now i think jokovic is the kind of person who needs to make a big change in order for him to get motivated again you know it may not It's, it's it agassi has clicked with him great you know and he he likes having someone charismatic in his corner he 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 will pick into that brain agassi is known to be a very good student of the game he knows a lot of stuff he knows how to beat people who are bigger than him more powerful than him and not that novak has any of those problems but andre knows how to win so good for him but how it's going to work i have no clue I, and i'm not going to bet on it we we'll just wait and watch 
But also, Sri, yeah. if, if if I may add to that, you know, um, let's be honest, right? We we have been for the past ten, fifteen years, even maybe, we have been spoiled with absolute, with two of the greatest champions in world sport. Period, right? You've got Pedro, who never seemed to have broke. I mean, just had incredible results for a long period of time. Now is at eighteen. You have Nadal, who's at fifteen, who was just so dominant for a period of three, four years. Again, peak performance, and this is the first time you've seen someone. Um, uh, because you assume Jok, you know, like Djokovic just didn't drop up, right? Uh, you just never thought that that would happen. And because it's happened, it's also such a surprise, right? But we've been we've been really spoiled with the level of tennis over the past uh, ten years. Yeah. So it it was bound to happen. It happened with Federer when he had his back issues, didn't make a semi final for a while. It happened with Nadal, uh, obviously injury related, and now it's happened with uh, Djokovic as well. So it's a bit of a, you know, it it is okay for it to happen. Right, um, and therefore, it I, maybe it shouldn't be expected, but um, it's just what it is. Yeah. People get old, they get tired, and you won a lot that you may have never thought that you would. So it's a bit of both. Yeah, indeed. So uh, we have talked Djokovic and Agassi. So let's go to the other contenders. Bijan, I'm going to stick with you. Andy Murray. Yeah. He seems to be in a bigger slump, you could say, than. Djokovic, so what's gone wrong? I don't think motivation is an issue for him, though. No, but with 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 Andy, it's always been about mentality, right? Like he's always he there's so much with him that is external, uh, you know, his girlfriend blowing 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 her bit in, in the box, you know, annoys him. Ivan Lendl not saying anything or not reacting used to annoy him. So a lot of it, a lot of him and his performance is down to where he is in a mental state. If he's feeling good, which you realize that he was feeling after Wimbledon, the Olympics, that period of time, he felt good. You, he was aggressive. He was talking about it because again, he's not he's not a very vocal character. Right? He sounds boring and tip, obviously typically he sounds very British. He is, but with him, it's always just. The mentality. If he's there mentally, he can compete, right? But if he's not there, and if he thinks he's going to stroll into into parks and then get stuff done, he will get beat, right? So um, it's just mental with him, and that's the only thing. I mean, he's obvious. He's arguably amongst the four. He is the fittest. Um, it's been proven year on year. His fitness levels are incredible. Even after his back injury, he can withstand a lot more than than probably the other three can. So. With him, it's not a physical issue at all. He very rarely has dips and troughs during matches. Right? There's been the odd one that's gone to about five odd hours, but you don't ever count on him breaking down physically. It's the first time that you know uh, his back gave him an issue, and then he returned from that solid as ever. But with him, it's all about what's in the head. Uh, if he can control his mind, if he can control his mentality, then he sort of does well. And that's the bigger problem that he's having. I think being number one, and therefore the expectation that comes with it. Um, is just going to is is probably wearing him down. So Shankar, do you agree that the number one being number one is what is wearing him down? To just summarize, yes, I think he's he's had the worst six months of a number one in the men's game that I can remember since I've started watching tennis. He's been really poor, and I don't see anything in him physically to suggest that he's having struggles. He's I've always felt that after Federer, he's the most talented. And that kind of works against him sometimes in that he doesn't know which game to play or what shot to play. But he's just looked really flat. You know, he's, uh, it's his big upset, his big disappointment result this year was in Australia. He's always had a reasonably average clay court season. I don't think he's ever done anything great. Except for last year when he reached the finals and he won Madrid or Rome. One of them he won. But apart from that, he's never had outstanding results on clay. So even now, I think... 
he'll go into the French, he'll talk a nice game, he, and he's a big match player. He, he, he could well make it to the second week, but I don't think he will go that far in Paris, and I think he's probably got one eye on the grass already. So, do you think grass is going to be the redemption, or do you actually is because for him, I'm quite not able as both of you, I'm not able to actually identify what's going wrong. Is it just the surface which is going to bring? Because you cannot be a number one if you are going to wait till Wimbledon to have a good part of your season there. So, I'm not quite sure. Does he? Are we actually saying a go his familiar or the uh, a surface which has given him great memories? That is what is needed to kickstart his season. No, I don't think it's the surface. I think it's being back in England. He really works off that cloud, that crowd better than anywhere else in the world. He's even when he was up and coming, he'd have better results at Wimbledon than he than other tournaments. So I think that that's his hope. I mean, if he can't get it up doing Wimbledon and he loses to some Misha's wherever something, then he's then he's in full blown crisis mode, and he'll have to do something drastic. I'm actually quite surprised you said that. You know, he feeds off the crowd because so many times he just collapses because of the. Well, maybe not crowd expectation because they always want the best, but the media expectation back in England. So it, it's it's really surprising that that you actually say that you know he'll probably feed off that environment once he gets back because the media just puts in so much pressure on any half decent Brit talent that they have. They seem to just crumble underneath that. But in terms of, I would just say that his game and therefore like he he's suited better to um to the grass courts and that's why he like a faster court is obviously better for him because he has a bit of a counter punching game. Rather than generating a lot of pace of his own, I I don't think I've ever seen him crumble under the media pressure. I may be wrong, but it's I've always seen him play in Wimbledon, at Wimbledon, at those courts, and get really revved up centre court. I can remember a few matches. There was one against Grosjean a few years ago, where, and more than one where he's really fed off that energy and done well. And I've never seen him do the same thing in any other court anywhere else in the world. He's always kind of a an angry person on court, yelling and shouting. That's fine. I mean, that is what he is. We can't pick and choose our great players. But I think the combination of the grass, good memories, and the crowd there is is what he has to hope, what I think will turn it. Because I'm really stumped as to why he's struggling so much. Yes, there was an injury that he pulled out of Miami with, and maybe that can allow his performance in the first clay court tournament to not go well. But these guys are good enough where they, when they come back, they're really fit. They're not uh, carrying an injury anymore. So why he's doing so poorly this year... We can only put it down to the one-on-one ranking. I, I don't see any other reason. We have a kind of a consensus, that, though it's a small panel, that it's indeed the ranking which is pulling him down. So we've talked enough of the men's side. Let's talk about the unpredictable side currently. No Williams, no Sharapova. Bijan, women's side, is there a clear favourite? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, has there ever been a clear favourite? Um, no, but I mean, it, it, it's surprising, right? The woman's gonna, she's gonna go have a kid, she's gonna come back, she's gonna win another three, four, because there's just absolutely no competition. Like, there is no one at her level. And even the person that probably just a couple of notches lower, probably be an Azarenko or a Kavitova. And they are sometimes just, they just have one off days, right? So they, I mean, they're very consistently great over a full season. So as usual, we go into the French wondering and hoping and trying to find who's in form and who might be great and who might not be. And it's such a relief to have Kvitova back because you suddenly have a name that, you know, by by brand name could technically win a Grand Slam. But as usual, otherwise, we're just scraping for names. Is she officially in? Because I... I was I had I haven't followed up on the news in the last couple of days. Is she officially in the tournament? Who is this? Kvitova. Uh, yes, Kvitova. she is. Yes. Yeah, she is. Ah, she's, she's, she's 15th seed or something. So yeah, so her seeding has been protected. Yeah. 
that's good that's good to hear but in respect of her okay you cannot say a clear favorite but is halep one of the contenders shankar i'm going to come to you on this halep was the contender until 2 days ago when she twisted her ankle yeah. yeah but no i would say even now she is the contender if she's if she says she's fit enough to play then she's not going to be unfit i, I not she not be able to struggle on court i think she'll be okay she halep may need a couple the, of early good rounds though yeah easier will. ones preferably hopefully yeah i think halep and Mladenovic the french player she's those two are the you want you don't want to use the word favorites they're not favorites the way nadal is the favorite in the men's tournament but those two are probably the most favored to reach the finals but again like i said it's it's really tough to pick i mean bjorn said it you, you i think you can probably pick the finalists the day after the finals that's that's when you'll be sure before that pull up in the air muguruza has a chance yes i think she's yeah, she's yeah. not had a bad year but she hasn't had a good year and uh, it depends on how she does well here she's a favorite and she's defending champion she's beaten serena twice in 3 years on the clay so she should be confident but i think i don't know if she's going to go far like like she's like any other woman on the tour she's really this is a weird time in women's tennis cuz either the top top is injured or out for whatever reasons you have sharapova serena williams and uh, azarenka out for different reasons and then the ones who are in they're kind of injured and coming in off minor concerns or major concerns depending on how big the injury is so if i had to stick my neck out halep ladanovic they are luckily in the opposite half so they could make the finals apart from that kuznetsova is dark horse i would say she generally does well she plays punches above her weight what about pliskova kova i don't know how well no, she's I- done on this clay she's good but i don't expect her to go very far in this tournament couple of open she madrid she struggled but i think she had a decent italian open i think I don't recollect where till where did she progress. I think she made it till the quarter final I think. Oh, well, but half, half of the names I don't seem to even recognize so I should not be even talking about the contenders. Think about the women's game is that if you're a top player and you have that confidence then you can play the same on any surface. I mean you don't you in the women's it's less defined that you can be dominant on other surfaces and struggle on clay because they can kind of play well enough to beat somebody on on the clay itself. So uh, Pliskova is a confident player. She's a rhythm player. She, she plays well. She, she is tough to beat. She was actually seeded 2 in the Italian Open. Oh, that's because wow. But still Kerber didn't play. But still number 2? Yeah, she's top 5 I think, isn't world she? Number 3 I think. Pliskova is number 3. Yeah. Pliskova is number 3. But you see the see the thing with Pliskova's game is so many her dominant performances has has always come outside of clay. And the problem, I mean, the reason a really big reason of that is that she has a she has a monster serve it is an absolutely huge serve to have but when you're on clay a fast serve doesn't get you much right because if you don't get the depth off of it it just pops up right and therefore becomes easier for the likes of a big hitter and therefore a half decent mover to kind of get into a better position to deal with that the one the the, the one uh, big game that i'm looking forward to in 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 the women's row is the first round which is kerber versus makarova because makarova has been such a wild card over the years um it's just been you know you you don't really know what you're going to get from her she'll have a beautiful wimbledon invariably she'll have a great wimbledon tournament and she dies out before that i mean after that that's the first big game that i'm looking forward to in the women's row otherwise i think we just probably go into the likes of gabin and and yeah probably gabin would be for me gabin and halep see i'll tell you why, why this is this side of the, the women's side is so screwed up sharapova is in there uh williams is out gabin hasn't won in the clay season until rome but i think she injured herself in rome i'm not sure if she's fit she had an injury in the semi finals i think 
Uh, yeah, neck injury. Yeah, Kerber hasn't won the French Open at all. And though she's won two Open, she hasn't won any tournament since the last US Open, I think. Plisko hasn't won French either, and she says this is not her favorite surface. She says talking about the title is too far off. So half the people either don't have the form or are ruling themselves out. So I don't know who's going to win. So are we in for again an unknown person coming to the final and winning it? Or at least not that any of the top ranks. Quite possible, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I think even if, even if, even if Mladanovic wins outside the tennis tour, she's quite unknown. I mean, even though people don't even know she's French, they think she's Czechoslovakian or something like that. So yeah, Kerber, she's had as bad a year as number one as Murray has had. So between them, they've really kind of brought down the number one ranking. And she's struggled. Again, no one knows what the reasons are, but she's maybe last year was a peak for Kerber. I don't think the same is true for Murray, but. Kerber versus Makarova is definitely the one match in the first round to watch for. Makarova has got, I think, two Grand Slam semis. She's definitely a dangerous player. How she'll play on that day, nobody knows. But I think all the women should feel equally confident going into the French Open. None of them should think they can't win. Because if you look at the draw, there's no, there's no titans. There's nothing insurmountable in that draw at all for them. Bijan, you, had, uh, you also wanted to add in something here, right? No, it's just, it's just the same thing. It's good to have Kvitova back because that's the only big name that you're probably looking forward to. Right? It's Kerber and Kvitova. If I'm not mistaken, those are the only two that have, that have a Grand Slam under their belt in the entire draw. But can she do it? Kuznetsova, Venus. But then again, Kuznetsova, Venus are on, are on the wrong side of 30 and therefore you're never really counting on them to... To do fantastically well, but I could be wrong. It's happened but before. And then, K- then has, again, has Kvitova though played any tournaments? I've not followed it. No. So she's just no, no. Kvitova is just back. She's so. just playing. So Correct. nobody has so, expected. So obviously, like there's the other woman at the tournament. She's Correct. not going to win. It's just it's, she's just a big draw. That's all. So nobody yeah, is expecting just, her just to. Yeah, big draw. Yeah, absolutely. Just a big draw. It's it's just that you know you you right now you probably go back to the names that Shankar said only because of form. And even if you're adding another name to that, it's not form. It's just because they might. Have had a decent season before that, you know. So it's just the odd name here and there. But as usual, we go into surprises. With yeah, I'm telling you, with the form, it's there's so much oscillation of yo-yoing of form. I'm not going to rule out even Kevito having a good tournament. It's perfectly plausible. She has two good early rounds where she gets a couple of sets on, maybe slight bit of work she settles in. Consider it's almost the first two rounds become like some kind of a warm-up for her. There's nothing ruled out. Even for her. Absolutely. I agree with you. And Kvitova and Muguruza are the only two players in the world who have won a Grand Slam after being born in in the 90s. There's nobody in the men's and there's nobody else in the women's. I think this week we had a landmark where all the top five men are also uh, over 30. 30 years old now. So, it's, it's a sign of the times. So, Kvitova has a, not as good a chance as Halep, but she's also, I don't think she has no chance. You're right. Indeed, indeed. But, uh, Bijan, I'm going to come to you. Shankar already mentioned the draw, so let's just get right into it. Let's look at the men's side. Potential mouth-watering or the big headline from the draw seems to be Nadal versus Djokovic coming in the semi-final. So, otherwise, any highlights you have from the men's side of the draw? Oh, yeah. I mean, even if you look at before the men's, before you get to the semis, um, your possible quarterfinals are Mare Nishikori. Right. Nishikori is an interesting one because he's coming back of injury and just lost to Misha Zverev yesterday or day before. Um, you've got Bavrinka Cilic is the other quarter. And then you've got Raunic Nadal. You're, all, you're fancy Nadal. But the most interesting quarter is TM Djokovic. Indeed, and so all going well, you have a TM Djokovic final. Uh, sorry, quarter. And then you just assume that 
one of them would probably it, see the problem is either of them after that game a tm jokovic game could potentially become five how many of, i mean how many people are going to be capable of beating jokovic and nadal back to back games is going to be really really surprise it will be it be incredible if someone does that so that's the interesting shankar i'm going to come to you since you we talked about team before so team basically has to go to jokovic in the quarters and nadal in the semi final if he does make it Yeah, a team also has to beat David Goffin in the fourth round, which is no easy thing on plate this year. Oh, so, uh, basically so a team, draw of death then for him. It's a tough one. Some other matches that could happen is Murray could face Del Potro in the third round. And given the way Murray is playing, I think he'll make it to the third round, but he could play Del Potro or Almagro. That should be interesting. John Isner is in his 16th in that and Isner has a very good record on clay as a postal surface, which is weird. Another player you're not talking about is that we're talking about Murray playing Nishikori, but Nishikori would have to beat Zverev in the fourth round, and this is the same Zverev who just uh, dusted Djokovic in Rome. Come to that. Has anybody yeah. tracked Zverev's draw? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's yes. Yeah, so Alex Zverev's first game is Fernando Vadasco. Yeah, that's a. I think he'll have enough game to beat Vadasco. Vadasco is a wild card. Obviously, nobody wants to play him ever anywhere on any surface. Yeah, <laughs> he's one of those guys. That, yeah. So, but I think Zverev will beat him because Zverev is just Zverev is really a big game. I mean, he, when he shook hands with Djokovic at the net, he's how much? He's that much bigger than Djokovic, who himself is six two. So I think Zverev is probably my favorite to come out from that quarter, and not Murray, and not Nishikori. Nishikori has been very poor this last few months. If you go to the next quarter, you have Wawrinka, you have Fonini in that same quarter, and then you have Songa, Kyrgios. Those guys are interesting. Chilich, but Chilich again has underperformed. In that quarter, if I had to pick someone, I would say either Stan or Fonini. There, sh- there could be a match against Stan versus Fonini, which should be a blockbuster. Again, Fonini is a loose cannon. He, but he knows he's playing well. If he, if he kind of stays focused, he could get that far. That's the problem. He doesn't seem to recognize when he plays well. Correct. The third quarter, well, Nadal dominates that quarter. The other names who can do well are Nadal has an interesting first round against Benoit Paire, the Frenchman who plays all sorts of weird shots that even he gets amazed by. I, I think he'll he'll have a few, a few short of the days on uh, the ATP tour, but he he won't win the match. The other guy on that in that quarter is Pablo Carena Busta, who had a very good clay court season, and he could probably take out someone like Raonic, who is scheduled to play in the third or fourth round. So, uh, but Nadal from that quarter for sure, and then from the fourth quarter, that's the richest. You have you have Team, you have Goffin, you have Djokovic. I would expect Djokovic gets through all his challenges up to the fourth round of the quarterfinals. He'd be playing far better. It would make it that much more difficult for someone like a Team or a Goffin. Goffin he'll overpower Team. A team team psychologically is done is not there where he thinks he can beat Djokovic after losing at Rome 6-1 he said my game doesn't match well i can't play him or something like that which is very negative so i would if team played Djokovic i would expect Djokovic to to win that assuming the other stuff it uh, the winner of that they know so your four semifinals let's let's get on with it so you have Djokovic Nadal basically and then yeah uh the other side is uh, Zverev and Stan i think yeah Zverev and Stan and uh, Bijan your your four names for semi final no i have to agree i agree with that 
If Thiem doesn't beat Djokovic, that's the four. Indeed. So, women's drive, is it, women's head, is it even worthwhile going through it? <laughs> sure, why not? It's got to be 100 to 1. I think, I think we, if we talk top 8, we will have a better chance of being accurate rather than top 2. Yeah, yeah women's draw is going to be fun. It's going to be like, I'm trying to think. Uh, there was some, I don't remember a woman's slam being this open ever. I mean... It's not just Serena gone. It's Serena gone is one part of it. But it's, it's like, we don't even know who's going to reach the other finals. The problem is nobody so. is playing well. That's the issue. Exactly. And the ones who are playing well are so inexperienced. Like, for example, Mladanovic is doing well. Halep is doing well. But we don't know how they'll respond to be under the favoritism of being uh, the favorite in a Grand Slam. How they'll perform under that. So, we have to see that also. Okay. So, last, the last kind of usual stuff we do, John, you will be used to it. Men's champion. Shout out women's champion. The big surprise from men's side and the big surprise from women's side. Okay, men's champion. I'm a little biased there. So, men's champion is going to be Nadal. Women's is going to be Garbin. Um, I think men's surprise, Zverev, um, Alex Zverev. Um, and then women's will probably be... Okay, let me say Kvitova. Ooh, that's nice. That's nice. Shankar, same questions. Men's champion Zverev, um, same thing. Uh, you are just trying to anti-jinx, right? <laughs> no, no, if you look at Zverev against Nadal, okay, the first time he played him last year, he had match point and he put away a dumb volley into the net and lost. Then he played him at the Australian Open and he had his number, he could have beaten him, but he cramped and he didn't know how to play him. So every And he lost him at Monte Carlo and you know what he did, he, en- he entered the draw in Barcelona so that he could get another chance to play Nadal and he's beaten Djokovic on clay. I don't think Zverev is lacking in confidence or game. The only question for him is how he'll handle 6-5 setters or 7-5 setters but I think he's ready, I really do, his, his reactions, his responses, I mean I want Nadal to win, yes, but it's, it would be difficult to be sad that a man has only won tournament 9 times but I think this might be the time for Zverev. So you're sticking with him to win? Yes. And okay, the women's side? Women's side, I think, Mladanovic. Mladenovic, I think I'm pronouncing it wrong. Mladenovic to beat Halep in the finals. And the surprise will be Venus to reach oh. semis. And men's side surprise? Any chance of someone actually saying Del Potro? Del Potro is a good chance for, say, the quarters, I would say, yeah. So would that be a surprise for him? If he makes it to the quarters? <laughs> Given his ranking, yes. Given his potential, yes. I, I, yeah, I think if he reaches the quarters at Paris, it would be a big surprise. I'm still waiting for the day Ronich does something useful. So we'll continue sticking to that. But it's... No, so Sri, you go for it. I want to hear your four. You've put us on the spot now. It's about time you put yourself on the spot. Nadal is going to win. Uh, if Halep is fit and gets through the first two rounds, I think Halep might win. Uh, women, men's side... Uh, I'm going for Del Potro as the surprise and then the women's side I'm going for Pliskova she seems to rule herself out though she's high ranked but in terms of her uh, affinity towards the service it's at the as low as it can get she seems to practically rule herself out saying thinking about the title is like too far but let's see I think she might have a good tournament if she starts with the French one that's the problem you need to have a good start so those are the four names I'm going to come up with but uh, we are going almost done with time. Any closing comments, Bijan? I'm going to come to you. No, none. I'm just glad that Grand Slam season is back. I genuinely love the French Open. I've seen the clay live. Uh, it is a beautiful place to be. So, may the games begin. And Shankar? I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I hope Nadal wins. But I don't think... I think I, there's something about Zverev that I really think his time has come. So, I hope he doesn't have enough to beat Rafa. But if, if he does, he'll definitely be a worthy champion. Every time I've seen him play, I've been impressed. 
Indeed. So I think we'll soon know we'll be back with the review once the French Open is done. We'll also be looking ahead to the Wimbledon tournament where hopefully Federer is back and definitely back. Touch wood. Uh, but any comments from feedback, any comments, please let us know anything you want us to discuss in the upcoming podcast. This is going to be far more regular. Yes, I know I promised this before as well, but this time I'm going to try and keep up my word. So any comments, feedbacks, do let us know. Till next time, see you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.